Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Pohl, Director of Public Affairs, and today I'm joined by Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs. Hello, Spencer. Hi, how are you? Doing well. And also BJ Tanksley, our Director of State Legislative Programs. Thanks for having me on. Well, we've got quite a bit on the plate today because there's a lot happening in Washington, D.C. and the state capitol um, over the past couple weeks. And more things coming up. So, Spencer, let's uh, start off by talking about what's happening in the AFBF resolutions process. Mm-hmm. We had our virtual annual uh, convention last week, which was supposed to be in San Diego, but ended up just being online. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> yeah, it was really disappointing because mm-hmm. we were all hoping to go to San Diego, but uh, that just got called off entirely and they did it all by, by electronics. So uh, what was the process uh, like there? We had quite a few things that were coming out of there that were important to Missourians, I think. Definitely. So very interesting discussion on the AFBF virtual resolutions floor. You know, really interesting to see in this era of virtual meetings and social distancing and not being able to travel, how all of those things come together and how they work. Um, Each state has has done their process individually a little bit differently. To be quite honest, a, a lot of states didn't even do policy development this year because of the restrictions that were in place. I, uh, but I think did, I heard there were maybe like 20 or 25 or something I don't know states ex- that didn't even have policy. I don't know exactly how many, but I would say I can think of several just off the top of my head that didn't. So it was, yeah, it was, it was certainly more than I expected. Um, but that didn't mean that there wasn't any lack of discussion on the AFBF resolutions floor. A lot of really important issues talked about, uh, including a lot of things that we do think will see some attention during the upcoming Congress. Um, As you know, the new administration will be sworn in this week, so things will be off and running, um, trying to get legislative priorities nailed down. Some of the things we discussed at AFBF um, virtual annual meeting, probably the biggest thing is our discussion about livestock market structures. And as you know, and, and BJ knows this as well from a state level, that's been a really hot topic of conversation really since August 2019 when there was a massive flyer, fire excuse me, at a packing plant in Holcomb, Kansas. Um, that highlighted a lot of issues with the supply chain and, and the way the livestock market is structured, uh, but it was certainly exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic when we saw a lot of processing plants being slowed or halted completely due to outbreaks among staff, um, as well as you would see shortages on the grocery store shelves, whether um, there was no meat available at all or the price Prices were so, so high, and the farmers at the farm gate were receiving record low prices for their animals. So a lot of discussion about that. Yeah, and so where did the policy end up on the AFBF level on that issue, on, you know, how how cattle and how, I guess, multiple types of livestock are sold, right, on the on the market and if they have to be priced at a specific in a specific way? Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways in which livestock can be marketed, and it's different um, – it's one way if it's beef cattle, it's a different way if it's hogs, and it's even a different way if it's chicken. So it's a little bit confusing how all of those things are structured. Um, But in particular, the discussion was around the beef industry. And what AFBF delegates ended up approving was a proposal that would support measures that would attempt to increase price discovery and transparency in those cattle markets. And specifically, there are some proposals out there to um, set kind of regional minimums for the amount of negotiated cash trade that has to be done in the beef industry. So AFBF policy would be supportive of some of those measures on a regional basis, as long as anything that becomes mandatory would be um, eligible for a sunset clause uh, within a short period of time. So um, that way, voters or 
legislators, policymakers would have the chance to review that and see if it actually was having the impact impact on the market that they intended. I think that's a good point because we don't know exactly what the impacts of these exactly. changes might be. Um, there's a lot of a lot of displeasure and distrust in the markets as we've seen them, mm-hmm. but there's also some concern with what exactly those impacts would be. So I do think the sunset provisions are very important when we talk about this conversation um, because although some have been hit, some have learned to benefit from the markets the way they're currently structured, it would be it will be if it if it goes forward in Congress, a big change for everybody, for those that are currently taking part in these types of markets and those that have other marketing uh, mm-hmm. arrangements. So it, it's something that's going to if moved forward, and rightfully so, there's a lot of questions. A lot of yep. things don't make sense in that, um, but it is going to be something that that brings a lot of questions and going to have to be looked at again. I do think the sunset's important that we make sure we look back and see what the changes we put mm-hmm. in place, uh, what 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 impact that really had. As oh sorry, go ahead. So, well, I was just going to ask for a little more background on it, BJ. Maybe uh, you have some insight onto this as well as uh, what who's on what side of this, and you know what makes somebody. Um, want more uh, more of the cash uh, contracts versus the pre-negotiated types of contracts, and you know I know there are regional differences as well, mm-hmm. both within Missouri and and nationally as to how people prefer doing these things. I'm no expert in that world, so I'm getting a lot more over my skis here and may be in trouble. But my understanding is a lot of it has to do with the size of the producer Mm -hmm. um, and whether or not they're coordinating with neighboring producers. So a lot of that, if you're a bigger producer, you have the ability to negotiate at a different level than those that are just going um, to the sale barn, you know, when Mm -hmm. it's time to go to the sale barn. So that that leads to a different level of discussion. And so those producers, different size producers, and Missouri's in kind of a unique position where we have a lot of different size producers. Being largely um, a cow-calf state, mm-hmm. uh, we're marketing kind of at the lower end of that spectrum where we're, we're marketing calves that are then going out to be fed then to go forward. So, so it, it leads to a lot of differences, and some of our producers are marketing at a very different level than others. And, and because of that, they all have a different my, – my understanding is they all have a different point of view on how this works out in the end. And it, it matters differently. It, it matters the size of operation. Mm-hmm. It matters in how your operation itself is structured. Um, There's a lot of things that play into that decision for our livestock producers. And so um, anything that is is a government solution, whether it's government or private sector, I think from a Farm Bureau perspective, we just want to be sure that it's ultimately achieving the goal that we have, which is better prices for our producers who who work very hard to put out a quality product. Um, There have been some legislative proposals that would be mostly consistent with the policy that AFBF adopted. Um, There were a couple of bills last Congress. Of course, with the beginning of the year, all bills in Congress now have to be reintroduced. So um, those haven't been reintroduced yet, but it certainly seems like there may be an appetite to do so. Um, There certainly will be discussion about it because livestock mandatory price reporting is up for reauthorization. That reauthorization was extended until September 30th of this year. So this is a very timely discussion and one we're really looking forward to having. We have obviously a lot of cow-calf production here in the state of Missouri. And so our rural legislators especially are very, very interested in in what this looks like moving forward. Yeah. And I know we have a lot of other things to talk about. One of the other things I think that we all think is important is for producers to be able to negotiate on their own. Mm-hmm. There's some that this may benefit and some that it may not. So we wouldn't be pushing for 100% of anything to force a producer into a certain type of relationship. Um, you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about hog production or mm-hmm. poultry. Um, those are much 
much different arrangements. And a lot of our cow-calf producers and, and beef producers across the state don't want to be in that type of a fir- sure. situation. And so that's one of the others. One of the other important parts of this conversation is making sure that those producers are able to do it on their own, um, that what benefits them best, because they want to be able to make the decisions that benefit their operation um, and don't want to be forced into a situation like they've seen some other types of agriculture into a situation mm-hmm. where you're largely contract production. Yeah, and one of the biggest concerns that underlies all this is just the consolidation in the market that Absolutely. people are concerned that the big companies are pushing out or are forcing farmers to take a bad price mm-hmm. and that some of these changes may help them. Now, another thing that I think plays into that uh, same discussion is the consolidation um, affecting the actual slaughter uh, of animals, mm-hmm. uh, the the um, processing and we saw a big backup with um, animals being processed earlier, well, I guess last year now, in 2020, when COVID was really hitting hard mm-hmm. and shut down a bunch of plants. So um, we, I believe there were some resolutions passed relating to small uh, meat processors as well. What did we see on that? Processing capacity in the United States is really controlled by four major companies on the beef side. And so um, there has been a push to alleviate some of that pressure by by encouraging smaller to medium-sized processors to get started in local communities. So a lot of attention being paid to that and and several initiatives through Congress. I think we will see, I mentioned livestock mandatory price reporting, there probably will be some processing elements to the legislation that ultimately reauthorizes that. Yeah, and the grant programs at the state level did go to small and medium-sized processors. And I think where you're going to see that impact the most is for our smaller producers. Mm -hmm. Our larger producers aren't probably going to be going to these types of markets. But those that are marketing on a local basis and those that are smaller producers may be able to see some help through this. But I think it's important that conversation is bigger than just what that grant program did um, with some of the COVID money. Uh, that, That isn't going to make major shifts in the marketing of Missouri cattle. Um, It's going to help some producers on a local level. It's going to help consumers on a local level too because they may have some more local options, but it's not going to be changing the major economics Mm -hmm. of the cattle marketing world. Mm -hmm. Well, there was also some discussion about conservation programs at the FBF resolutions process. So uh, what did we discuss in there and and what were the outcomes of the policy? There's certainly been a lot of discussion around conservation programs, I think at Farm Bureau and other organizations as well. It's very clear that under a Biden administration, conservation policy is going to be top of mind for a lot of the incoming cabinet members and even legislators. So um, a lot of the discussions at AFBF centered around just taking a look at our existing conservation policy, trying to offer suggestions to that policy where needed. Um, I think if I had a crystal ball, I, I rarely make too many predictions, I guess, on this podcast. But I would say it's a pretty safe bet that we're going to be talking a lot about conservation programs, uh, particularly at USDA over the next couple of years. We do have to write a farm bill uh, in two years. Those conversations are going to begin, I would guess, as soon as as soon as soon Congress really gets rolling. A lot of those conversations will take place. So mm-hmm. um, it's just important to take a look at those things as we see them coming down the pike. Well, and, and dealing with another a new administration, you're going to have some different priorities. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be places where I think I've said many times, and maybe not on here, but there's always opportunities. Yep. Um, and so we need to make sure that as, as an American Farm Bureau and ourselves advocating for Missourians, that we're positioned well for those opportunities. There for may sure. be some that we really appreciate and some that we're working against, but at the same time, we have to make sure we're ready for those. And there is going to be a lot of change coming. Yep. Yeah. And there's certainly going to be a lot on that 
conservation front, as you mentioned, as the Biden administration's already signaled its um, its desire to make climate change policy mm-hmm. a, a focal point of the administration, and USDA is um, well, incoming Secretary Bilsack has uh, been signaling that quite a bit as well. So right. uh, that will probably come into play in the conservation programs in, in many other ways as well. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. And Missouri f- and farmers have a good story to tell on that front largely. And so there's there's some things that we need to deserve credit for uh, for things that we are doing, yep. have done, um, and make sure moving forward that, that those decisions are made um allowing the farmer to make that choice to take part in those programs. Having that having that choice is what's most important to our members. Um, and then also getting credit for the things we are doing because we're getting we have been doing things that are good for the environment um, and we need, we deserve credit for what we are doing and, uh, and make sure we're voluntary moving forward. Very much. Well, on the state side of things, there's also been a flurry of activity the last week or so. Um, BJ, catch us up on what's been happening at the state capitol. Yeah, there's been a lot of um, a lot of events and, and crowd gathering, but not a lot of legislative activity really. Um, the um, the inauguration took place last Monday. Um, had a had a great time. It was a little chilly out there, but able to ring in Governor Mike Parson being um, officially sworn in to his second term. Although the first term he only got to serve a little more than half of it, but really happy with that. You know, Missouri Farm Bureau was active during the election season, um, and we got to see a whole slate of um, candidates that we supported being sworn into their official positions and that was that was a fun time out there celebrating that and that's really what you know if you've ever been to an inauguration if you get the opportunity to go if you have been it's always no matter who that is it's a time of um, excitement Mm because everybody's excited about what the what the next four years could bring both for the state and at the federal level it's always that that renewing you know there's a new hope that hey here we go you know and it was it was interesting it was a um, the sun popped out right before the governor gave his speech. And although we were all cold, I think we all warmed up for a little yeah. bit there. It was kind of a neat time. Um, but that was um, that was fun. And then we saw the beginning of kind of legislative activity. And with a new legislature, there has to be new rules and new committees named and all of that. And we got to see a couple of new uh, or returning faces, I should say, as our, as our ag chairman. In both the House and the Senate, our chairmen are returning again. Uh, Senator Bernsketter from right here in Jefferson City will be our Senate ag chairman. Um, and Representative Don Roan from the Boot Hill, Southeast Missouri, um, is going to be our House Ag Chairman again. So excited to work with them again. They've been great advocates for agriculture throughout their careers, uh, both being involved in farming themselves. And so it's nice to have ag, ag advocates uh, back in those positions and look forward to working with them as we get ready uh, for the 21 session. Well, there's a lot uh, that needs to be done this yeah. year, especially since yeah. last year's session got cut short by COVID, and a, a big chunk of a, the session got taken out of the middle of it because they had to basically send everyone home. Um, the unfortunate thing is we've already seen that happen again. I was hoping yeah. maybe we wouldn't have to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, they, uh, the House at least announced that they're not going to be in session this entire week because of the fact that a number, of, apparently a large number of um, lawmakers and presumably staff as well have tested positive for COVID. So mm-hmm. uh, what does this mean for the legislative session? You know, do we know? Well, I feel I, like we've been asking, what does this mean yeah. since <laughs> the yes, pandemic started? Like, what do we point. think this means yeah. moving forward? We're like, yeah. I got no idea. I have literally no idea. Well, the uh, the crystal ball is, is foggy on this one as well. It's one of those things, You everybody understands that health information is personal and we don't share a lot of that. So as you said, we know that there's 
some positive cases among House members. We don't know how big that number is, uh, but the House did decide to take this week off um, from session. They were already not going to be in. We're recording this on Monday. They were already not going to be in for the holiday on Monday, and so it was going to be an abbreviated week anyway. They wouldn't be here until late Tuesday, out by early Thursday, and so it was already going to be an abbreviated week. The Senate, on the other hand, we do know there was at least some contacts in the Senate. We don't know necessarily about positive cases, um, but but they decided to come back into session. The House and the Senate are two different bodies, though. The House is 163. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. The Senate is 34. They all have their own offices. Mm-hmm. They largely can separate themselves. And I think the Senate took the idea of we need to get through some of these procedural things to keep the legislative calendar moving rather than pausing at this point. Mm-hmm. I think this is a totally different conversation when we get into March, April, and May, when we're truly agreeing and finally passing bills, um, that, that you need to have every voice deserves to be heard in that debate. I think it's probably a different conversation later in session than it is right now when we're largely going through the procedures. We're second reading, we're referring bills to committee, we're getting ready for committee hearings, but we're not actively debating these bills on the floor. I think those are two different things. Hopefully, we're able to get through some of these things early in session and not have that long break. Um, For those of you all have kids in school, you know um, largely when a break happens, it's usually for about a week to find out who may have been contacted or who may come up positive and then get back to school. Um, And so I think we may see that type of a process in the House and in the Senate uh, where we do. You can't just take one day off because of the way it seems to be transmitting to people. You don't know that you're positive for a few days. And so it will make it a little more difficult where you have to let it play out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I think we'll see how this goes. Hopefully we're able to get back to work and be at full steam. Um, But I also think if I'm being pessimistic, um, there's a chance that we see a few more of these throughout the session. Yeah. Yeah. This probably isn't the last break we have to take. You know, the good news is we do see vaccinations going up. We do see more and more people becoming eligible for those. Um, so we will probably start to see an impact on that. And hopefully, um, as the session rolls along, we're able to see things ease up a little bit. Um, but it's something we all have to keep in mind. These legislators come and grow, go from all over the state on mm-hmm. a weekly basis. And that's one of those things that we've been telling people not to do. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that's going to be difficult. There's it's, a Sorry, I, didn't, no, I thought good. you were finished. Um, there's a lot of people in a similar situation at the federal level, yep, too, absolutely. right? They've certainly put some some measures in place for people who can proxy vote or do virtual committee hearings and that sort of thing. Um, but it's interesting to look at the House calendar, for example, and they are in Washington 25% less days mm-hmm. this year than they have been in previous years. And part of that is due to a, a focus on in-district events, but part of it's due to the pandemic. People are really worried about people coming in from all over the country. You know, they've been voting in shifts, I guess. A, a regular 15-minute vote in the House of Representatives right now takes more like an hour and a half mm-hmm. to get done. So, um Despite Congress passing a lot of really large bills, and and we anticipate that there probably will be more of that over the next few weeks, um, not not a lot is moving very quickly in Washington right now just because they have to be so careful about having too many people in one place. Obviously, as you mentioned, the House and the Senate, totally different situations. 435 people in the House, a little bit harder to social distance than it would be for 100 members of the Senate. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that's handled over the next several weeks, especially in, in the federal case with the change of administration. 
Yeah. yeah, and we know that on both bodies, we want to get back to normal. Everybody does. We want to be able to do the, the people, the business of the people. Um, however, we also have to worry about making sure we do it in a safe manner. Um, you know, some of the some of our legislators are, are healthier than others. Some are younger, some are older. But we've got a very diverse body in both um, legislatures, and it's important that we make sure we keep people safe at the same time. Yeah, very much so. And we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out because – um, there's going to be a lot on the plate for both the mm-hmm. federal and state levels this spring uh, as we switch administrations and try to get through the vaccination process and hopefully return to normal, like you say. Um, so before we go, we uh, always have our weekly question now. Um, and the two of us are getting nervous at this point. Yeah, you I'm out of practice. <laughs> I like haven't done this in so long. Well, we uh, we were trying to decide what the question was going to be beforehand. And had some good ideas, but nothing really came together. But I realized there's an obvious question to ask right now, and that is, who is going to be meeting in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks? And Chiefs, Packers. Who's going to win? Chiefs. What's your pr- score prediction? Oh, gosh. This is way too many questions. <laughs> well, it's really one you just <laughs> so, went too fast. So my <laughs> prediction are that the Chiefs and the Packers are in the Super Bowl, Chiefs by three. Okay. Chiefs by three, so a replay. Which would require our kicker to one. kick a field goal. Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl one. Or just score three touchdowns and miss all the field goals, or all the extra points, and have them. Uh, Listen, it's <laughs> a bit of a sore subject, yeah. but we, it's fine. We live to fight another day. <laughs> well, Mr. We're, Tanksley? We're all hopeful for health, um, and I think if we have a healthy Patrick Mahomes, we probably make it to the Super Bowl again. You see the Chiefs, and I would say the Packers are definitely destined for it. Um, boy, that's going to be a heck of a matchup. Oh my um, gosh! As as a household full of Chiefs fans, I hope that you're correct, and mm-hmm. I hope the Chiefs are able to pull it out. I also hope that all Chiefs fans are ready because that will be a shootout, and that's right. and nobody's hope the defense is rested. Nobody's playing football like Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah, um, and that's true. They can really sling it. So have you? Though, s- I w- I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I think there's a thing called the over, and I would yeah. be taking it because yeah. I think there will be a lot of points scored in that. Have game. you seen all of the State Farm commercials where they? talk about the rogers rate and the patrick yeah. price oh yeah it's oh, what part. does what do they do in that situation <laughs> anyway that yeah. Super Bowl. yeah no well, kidding i'll just i guess i'll change it up since you guys both went with the packers i mean obviously the chiefs are going to be there and win right yeah. clearly but the uh who's going to be the super bowl runner-up i'll just go with the tampa bay buccaneers and it's going to be the new guard defeating the old guard Mahomes beating Brady for the Super Bowl number two. Yeah, love to see it. It would be a fun new, a fun, fun matchup recent to just a few years ago when it was Brady on, on the on the Arrowhead Field. Heartbreaker. Yeah. Oh, that would be really nice revenge, wouldn't it? Yeah. All Good right. times. Well, um, we look forward to seeing how this actually plays out. If it doesn't go the way we want, we can edit this. Right? <laughs> we can always go back and <laughs> yeah. hit the delete just button. Clip it off. But... I don't know how to do that, but someone does. Yeah, we can so. figure it out. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, guys, and uh, we'll circle back as soon as we know more. Yep. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye.